Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh, Browning, brunning, bruning. Pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Whoa. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what's going on everybody welcome to another episode of the fantasy football round table podcast brought to you by the pigskin podcast network you can find them at pigskin Podnet on twitter or you can search the hashtag TPPN. Uh, they all hashtag that as do we as we go live. It is Monday, July 25th. We are almost there. August just around the corner, just a couple days away. We've got college football four weeks away and the NFL quickly thereafter. I believe we're two weeks away. Does that sound right from the Hall of Fame game? So, I mean, we're, we're it's, it it's almost here. We're, we're, we're in the stretch run right now of the NFL season getting here. I cannot wait. We have got the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans on, I'm sorry, the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans on the docket for today. Matt will be joining us shortly. Dennis is here with me. Dennis, how was your weekend? You know, nondescript, I think, is the best way I could describe it. I kind of don't remember doing a whole heck of a lot, you know, playing with the kids. I think went swimming with the wife, you know, just. Oh, oh, hey, I remember now. I put in a new closet organizer in my son's closet. That's what I did. That was my accomplishment. There you go. Hey, you know, as we were talking right before the show, I kind of wish that was my weekend. Uh, My beautiful wife turned 21 for another year in a row. uh, So I'm very happy for her. We went out and did a lot of celebrating. I definitely pulled something in my back. So I will never make fun of, not that I made fun of golfers anyways. I do think that's an actual sport, but my goodness, my back is not 
felt great after trying to drive the ball and, and using a baseball swing, which was not smart. It's just, it was an all around bad experience. It was also 103 degrees while we were out there doing that at eight o'clock at night, mind you. So not a lot of fun on that front. We do have a couple news items we want to touch on really quick. And I wanted to start with the John Mechie one. Obviously, this came out a couple days ago, but we have not been live since then. He was diagnosed with a, a not, I want to say a rare form of leukemia, but what the what it does is basically if he gets a cut or gets an, any kind of bruise or anything like that, his body can't stop the bleeding, which is why he cannot play this year. It is very big, obviously, especially with the sport, that with them playing football, how, how big of a deal that is. But it does have a 90% recover rate, so – Obviously, prayers up to him and his family. Cancer sucks. I'm going to cuss everybody. So just a fuck cancer. Pretty sure everybody feels that exact same way. Uh, but prayers up to John Mechie, and hopefully he's able to recover, and we will get to see him on the field next year. Yeah, I think, Met, you know, like he said, it's a, a very, very good prognosis. It's just going to take some time. And once he gets healed, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, J- James Conner, Marcus Cannon, They've both dealt with with those types of issues, not the specific one, um, and been able to come back and play. So I feel like the prognosis is good. He's going to take a year, and he'll come back and be as good as ever. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about him on Friday, how this may affect his dynasty value, if you feel it does, as we will be talking about the Texans on Friday. But did just want to address that right off the rip that we are thinking about him and our, you know, we will have him and his family in our prayers. The Bucks signed Kyle Rudolph. You know, I don't, I think this is more just an insurance policy for if Gronk does for sure stay retired. It doesn't really move the needle for me in any major way. Does it do anything for you, Dennis? Well, you know, I think Florio said today that uh, Kyle Rudolph is supposed to get all the Gronk work. Um, I feel, I, I, honestly, I feel like Cameron Brate's a better tight end than Kyle Rudolph at this point. Yeah, I did look back to see s- sort of where, how Rudolph had been over the years. I mean, he's going into his 10th year, I think, now. But, he, I mean, he was a tight end two one year. He had, like, tight end two, tight end seven, tight end eight. He had some really good years um, buoyed by uh, touchdowns because, I mean, the dude's six foot seven. Um, but I do think that Cameron Brait is the tight end that I want to roster from that team. You know, teams go with two tight ends, and they run a lot of two tight end sets. So it makes sense to bring in a veteran that is a professional that will be able to pick up on things. I I expect much like Cameron Brait or OJ Howard last year having the occasional pop-out game, that there's going to be a game this year that Kyle Rudolph is the man. He scores, you know, he gets 60 yards and two touchdowns or something like that. Uh, if you roster Kyle Rudolph, that that immediately following that game you need to trade him yeah i think he'd be he's not he's a guy would be willing to take a shot on in best ball with one of my last picks just because of what i would would even be surprised if he has two or three good games but i mean we're not talking about the kyle rudolph that was in minnesota back when he was used as that big red zone threat i I think as you mentioned cameron Braid is the better tight end on the roster right now he's a guy that i would rather have 
Browns, uh, we got two little quarterback notes here before we move on to the Tennessee Titans. The Browns signed Josh Rosen out of free agency. Uh, more of just a backup plan for Jacoby Brissett. I guess they really don't want Josh Dobbs throwing in the ball. Have you ever watched Josh Dobbs throw the ball? I think you can understand why. Um, I also think this is, I think the Browns now know what Deshaun Watson's uh, suspension is going to be. I know they haven't announced it yet, and I feel like they keep teasing us with, oh, well, we weren't expecting it this week, but we're expecting it soon. has been like the last four reports on this. I do think that the Browns and Watson know what the suspension is coming, and that's why they went ahead and went and got Josh Rosen. I don't think it's going to be a full for a full season. Say what you want about that. We're not here to debate the legality part of that, whether what he does or does not deserve. Uh, but Josh Rosen with the Browns, again, it's just as a depth move. I don't see any fantasy value here. I want to, man. I really, really want to. I want Josh Rosen to come in and play and play well and revive his career. I really do. I feel like the dude got the dude got shit on. I mean, it was I get it. He he's not Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury wanted his own guy, but I think Rosen Got a raw deal. Um, is he going to be Tom Brady? I don't think so. But can he be Matt Schaub? You know, I think that's a reasonable outcome. Schaub had a, a, a nice stretch there with the uh, Houston Texans, getting him to the playoffs. He had some good players around him. I'd like to see Rosen bounce back from this and go on and play another six or seven years, get a few years as a starter. That being said, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think he's he may be going the Charlie Whitehurst route. Yeah, I would say. I mean, it's Brissett's got to play really bad, or or I guess Rosen just comes into camp and blows him away. But I really think it's Brissett's job. What's going on, Matt? As Matt Fox has now joined us. For those of you on the podcasting audience who are not watching us live, uh, we've discussed. We went a little bit out of order. We actually went we asked backwards here. We went uh, Mechie first because I thought that was a big thing to touch on. So uh, we talked Mechie, Kyle Rudolph, and Josh Rosen. If you want to give your thoughts on any of those really quick before we talk about the big QB signing that happened. I just thought with Josh Rosen that you'd be excited that the Browns finally got the right quarterback from that draft to they be on their not. team. That, was, that would have been uh, – <laughs> Who else was the, that? That was a Josh Allen. Yeah, they missed yeah, on Josh, that Josh that, Allen. That's who. That's the right quarterback. Lamar was in that Ugh. draft. You could add Sam Darnold. Um, the Mechie news was sad. I think we'll probably talk about that more on Friday when we get to the uh, Texans. That felt like a bummer. Yeah, yeah. We all kind of talked, uh, you know, prayers up to him and his family. We'll definitely talk more about that on Friday. So the big news coming down, Kyler Murray gets his deal in Arizona after – I mean, let's just be honest, a lot of very weird stuff going on with him, removing social media stuff, complaining, Cliff Kingsbury on his way out the door, and now he's back. They're tied together here for a couple of years. Was it $230 million, 160 I believe, guaranteed? Like, really good deal for Kyler Murray. And again, him and Cliff Kingsbury now paired together in Arizona. Matt, what are your thoughts about this? What, what does this mean for Murray and the Cardinals moving forward? Yeah, you know, I don't know if you guys heard when I was listening to NFL radio driving home, the only blessing of being stuck in a traffic jam because we had a little rain and people suddenly forgot how to drive, apparently. Uh, apparently, there is a rider in his contract that requires four hours of independent study every week. I 
thought that was an interesting addendum. I did not know that. And that is interesting. it makes me wonder a little bit why, like, I can't imagine Tom Brady getting a, you need to have four hours of independent study. I can't really imagine Aaron Rodgers getting that. It makes me wonder what questions they have about his personal preparation. Um, kind of reminds you of when uh, the Raiders gave uh, Demarcus Russell the videotape with, that was blank and yeah. said, go home and study this. And then he never asked any questions about why it was blank. You know, did the Cardinals do something like that? Usually when they add these kind of special things into your contract, it's not a great sign to me. I I also feel like that's a lot of money to pay to somebody who hasn't really been successful. And I don't – like I know Green Bay extended Rodgers and their coach and their GM. They may not have won a Super Bowl, but they've won 13 games the last three years. They've been a high seed in the NFC. They've been sort of snake bitten in the playoffs, but they've been successful. I don't think we've seen anything from the marriage between Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury that suggests they're on track to win a Super Bowl. Even if you were going to say last year, they started strong, they faded, and they did not look good in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've not ever been a Kyler Murray fan. I feel that paying him a half a million more than Deshaun Watson is a. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's a mistake. Um, because he he just isn't producing the types of numbers, and like you so succinctly pointed out, Fox, that. They're not a they're not a high volume throwing offense, so they're managing it with without without having the perception of being a run first team. They're a run first team to I think minimize some of the things that maybe Kyler can't do, and you know, and then you have to put a. A, a, a study clause and a $230 million contract. I mean, and how the hell are you going to prove he does or doesn't if it's on his own? It's like, I don't know. Are they giving him quizzes? Yeah, that, that part's interesting. I did not know that. I mean, I, I get it from the fact of, you know, multiple, what's the cliched sayings like dance with the one that brought you and the devil, you know, like, Say what you want about Kyler Murray. He has definitely not been – he's not lived up to the Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, whose contract is still – like I would much rather have a lot of other quarterbacks over him. But I also think it's fair to say he's probably a top 10, top 12 quarterback, and not just in fantasy but in the NFL as well. You don't know that any of these guys coming up in the re- next coming draft classes are going to be anywhere near as good as him. So I, I, th- I get why they paid him. I think a lot more of it is Cliff Kingsbury than Kyler Murray. I think we've seen Kyler Murray has shown us how good he can be if he stays healthy. That is definitely a question still on him because we've seen him struggle with injuries every single year. But I think he is a really good quarterback. I agree, though. I don't know that I'd pay him more than Deshaun Watson. That does seem a little insane to me. But that's also kind of the way the trend always goes in the NFL, right? It's the next guy always gets more and more money if you're in that same grouping. And for many, I think Kyler Murray is close to that grouping. While we may disagree with that, I think the Arizona Cardinals think he is. So at the end of the day, based on what they've done in the past, it makes sense. Deshaun Watson's never done anything either. 
I mean, he's had much better seasons. He's, he led the NFL in passing a couple years ago with that horrible Houston Texans team. Like, he's been more efficient. I'm, I understand he's not, like, gone to the playoffs and gone to the Super Bowl or anything, but I mean, he has at least one playoff win. He beat the Bills. So he's got at least more one more win than Kyler Murray. I mean, him and Baker Mayfield have the same amount of playoff wins. Pay Baker Mayfield. That's what I took away from this conversation. I'm, we'll Baker Mayfield would just like to be on a team that has a yeah, chance. Yeah. Did you – so – Real quick, they unveiled those new Panthers, like all blacks. Did you guys see the NFL memes post? I did not. I think I saved it so I can get the exact wording. Um, But apparently no one's in on the Panthers. So it says uh, the Panthers are ready to go five and 12 in style. I mean, I, I'm not. It's not that big a surprise, I think, right? Like, they weren't really good last year. There's a lot of people who don't think Baker's going to start the season now. Like it's uh, Carolina's a dumpster fire. They're just finding any reason they can to get rid of Matt Rule. Speaking of teams that were not dumpster fires last year, as much as I thought they were going to be, Tennessee, who I believe I picked to finish second to last in the division last year, finished with a 12 and five record and lost in the divisional round. Their key departures: AJ Brown traded to the Eagles, Julio Jones, Donta Foreman, who goes to the Panthers, Julio Jones still a free agent, Roger Saffold to the Bills, and Anthony Ferkser to the Falcons. Their key additions: they bring over Robert Woods and Austin Hooper, and they draft Traylon Burks. Malik Willis and Hassan Haskins in the draft. Dennis, the Titans turned their receiving core over completely. What do you expect from Woods, Burks, and Hooper? You know, Derrick Henry's back, so I expect from Woods, Burks, and Hooper uh, to make the occasional play while Derrick Henry carries the ball until he falls apart again. Yeah. You know, Burks is right now, to me, he's shaping up to be kind of an enigma. He made plays in college, but now we're having all of this talk about, oh, he's got asthma. And then his college coach comes out and saying, yeah, he doesn't have asthma. Uh, You know, he has a tendency to come to camp out of shape and he works his way into shape. And Well, that may be great when you're young and able to do it pretty quickly as you get older, you know, that, that becomes less and less uh, a viable strategy. So maybe Burks is in for a shorter career. Um, You know, he could go the way of uh, Kelvin Benjamin, maybe, you know, Robert Woods is who he is at this point. We know who Woods is. He's a competent receiver, good speed, not great speed, really good route runner. He's going to, it wouldn't surprise me if Woods had 110 targets and led the Titans in receiving this year. Um, Hooper's a competent two-way tight end. He's going to be where he's supposed to be, do what he's supposed to do. Not super athletic, but he's a good tight end. But I think that team is is going to be built around Derrick Henry um, and then Hassan Haskins is the understudy. They'll throw in some other backs occasionally to – do a little bit of pass catching because they're better at it, down trail, Hilliard and, and whatnot. But uh, this is going to be a run first team. And until Derrick Henry can't run anymore, and then Mike Vrabel will take a look around and see what he can do to piece it together for the rest of the season. The Titans just feel like they, they have sort of a bad energy on offense. Um, I was trying to be more subtle about it. Well, you know, but I, I, I think that's a factor. Like, 
Ryan Tannehill is no one's favorite quarterback, but he was quarterback 12 last year. And let's be honest, he was doing it ostensibly with smoke and mirrors and pulling plays out of his backside for a lot of that season. Because A.J. Brown was hurt a lot. Josh Reynolds flamed out so bad that he ended up having a meaningful season in Detroit. And Julio Jones was a non-factor. They got no production from the tight end. Derrick Henry missed a bunch of games. But And so all that would make you somewhat optimistic about what could potentially be comparable or better weapons, except there seems to be a bad energy around him in the franchise. I wonder how much Malik Willis is going to be a distraction. I wonder at times if they don't have great success, if they're going to want to see what they have in Malik Willis, because it seems like no matter what, this feels like the end for Ryan Tannehill here. Derek Henry, yes, they're going to be a run first team. We'll get to Henry, I'm sure, here in a minute. But he didn't look spectacular when he came back from injury last year. He's at that point in his career where you have to have questions. Robert Woods, I like Robert Woods. He tore his ACL. I think it was around Thanksgiving time. Wasn't that when Odell came over? It was in November, at least. You know, He's working himself back into playing shape, learning a new system, learning a new quarterback. Traylon Burks is a rookie, going to be picking up. I'm starting to like Austin Hooper a little bit more because um, we've seen him be an effective pass-catching tight end and outlet. We've seen this system do pretty well when they've had a better tight end than Anthony Ferkser. Um, So I'm starting to think there could be some things there. But I'm with you, Jess. I think Robert Woods ultimately leads his team uh, in as a receiver. Getting 100, 110 targets wouldn't be a shock. I still think he probably ends up as the low-end wide receiver three because that's the kind of offense they have. I think he could get up to wide receiver too. Maybe that's just because I feel like we're always disrespecting Robert Woods and he always does it. Although he wasn't having a great season with the Rams before the injury in case people have forgotten, he was actually kind of falling off. And then we had the big, like, I think he came out and like said something. It was either after a Thursday or a Monday night football game. And then the next thing they came out and they're like getting him handoffs. They were like fo- focusing, making him a focal point of the offense had a couple of really, really big games for the Rams and then he ended up getting hurt. But I do agree. I think he's going to be the guy this year. Burks dealing with the asthma. But I, I heard recently that he's actually lost some of that weight. He, he's starting to look better coming into to camp here for the Titans. So that's obviously a positive. But I think Woods just fits more. What like They're not afraid to hand the ball off to give quick screens to the wide receiver. I think Woods fits that better than Burks. Burks is a big, really good wide receiver. I think is a better downfield threat than Robert Woods is, but I think he's still a little bit raw and is going to need to improve on some things. So I do think Woods is the guy here. I don't know what to think about Hooper. Like I want to believe that he's going to be good, but I just don't know this often. They've had guys like John U. Smith there, and I think he's a much better tight end than Austin Hooper. And they just, he showed flashes, couldn't ever really make something out of him. So maybe because. And then fell off a shelf in New England. Yeah. He may not be that good. I mean, may, maybe because we don't think Burks is going to be a, a huge stud right out the gate that Hooper steps up into that two role, but I think it's going to be a lot of Derrick Henry and Robert Woods in this offense. For Tannehill, I don't know that he's gone after this season. I know that they've got the out, which is $18 million. That still feels like a lot to pay. That That's still a pretty big cap hit for, for dead money for a quarterback. I want to say that the... 
2024 is probably the better year because it drops down to 9 million. Like to me, that just seems, now I know the cap goes up every single year. I think the, the, the report I saw, and I can't remember the exact number, so I won't say, cause I don't want to be wrong, but I want to say the cap is supposed to take like a massive jump after this season as well. So maybe 19 million won't be that big of a deal with the cap. Right. 18.8 and then yeah. 9.2. So like maybe maybe it won't be that big a deal taking that cap hit because they've got Malik Willis on the rookie contract, but I honestly would be surprised if we see Malik Willis unless it's in like you know like blowouts or either either way whether they're blowing an opponent out or they're getting blown out just to get him some time on the field because I just don't think he's ready. You know I, I've read some reports about him making through like these wow throws at camp. Uh, and everybody's like, oh, wow, that's a really good throw, except that's not going to work in the NFL because you can't throw across your body 50 yards because the defense will pick that off. Like, And you hear coaches saying that about Malik Willis. That's kind of what made him a thing in college. You can't do that in the NFL. You just can't. So I think he's much further away from being a thing for the Titans than, than others do. I would be, like I said, very surprised if he even starts again. I think if Tannehill gets hurt in a game, he'll start, and I would be – I would be the least surprised if they go out and, and bring in a veteran and have him start the next week if anything were to happen and say, no, I just, I don't think Malik Willis is ready or well, necessarily the, the future right now. They have Logan Woodside on the roster right now. Who's, you know, a career backup and he's, but he's probably the guy they would go to if Tannehill got hurt just because like you said, I, they don't believe Willis is ready. I could see them keeping Tannehill for two more years and letting Willis learn behind him in part because Mike Vrabel has job security. He's in a spot where he can take two to three years to develop Malik Willis and put him in a position to succeed. Even if they don't go deep into the playoffs the next two years, I think that he's in a position to be able to say, look, I'm, I'm building this. We're going to have to replace our quarterback. We're going to have to replace our running back. We're drafting pieces here. We're going to develop them. Right now, if I'm in a, uh, I'm doing a redraft, we got Robert Woods going at wide receiver 46 and Traylon Burks going at wide receiver 29. One of those two is a big, big value, and it's not Traylon Burks. I mean, I, I would yeah. wait and take Woods because they're likely to have very similar point totals in production with Woods probably being the, you know, slight favorite to lead the team. I mean, they mm -hmm. want to get, you know, they, they didn't just bring Burks in there for the heck of it. They brought him in to replace AJ Brown, even though his skill set is a little bit different than what Brown's was. Um, it, but, but Woods is the value at that price. That's where uh, AJ Brown really thrived because he was insanely efficient. That's not only are you asking Traylon Burks to make plays, but you're asking him whether he can make 70 to 75 catch seasons for 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns on like 90 targets. That feels like that's the part that's less solid. Yeah, I don't uh, – the thing with Mike Vrabel, and I don't know what his coaching contract is. I don't, I don't know if anybody can tell me what that – here we go. Is through – oh, so it's actually only through this year. I don't know that his his future as is as secure 
as we think it is. I mean, you go back to Mike Malarkey, who had two nine and seven years and lost in the division round, and they fired him and brought in Vrabel, who's then gone, I mean, nine and seven, nine and seven, but then 11 and five and 12 and five the past two years. But I think, again, a lot of that predicated on how good Derrick Henry has been. And granted, Ryan Tannehill stepped up in a big way when Henry went down last year. But I think if Henry starts to fall off, we're going to see the issues in this offense we all thought were going to show up last year. And I think we're talking about right now possibly being a big thing. I think we're going to continue to see that if Derrick Henry struggles to to start off, or if he plays well as as a running back, because I think they predicate that offense so much on Derrick Henry. Speaking of Derrick Henry, Matt, he missed some time last year and did look a little bit sluggish on his return. Do you think this was a sign of decline? Was it just a hiccup? And regardless of which way you lean on that, would you be willing to handcuff him based on what we saw Donta Foreman do last year when Henry went down? Well, I answer the second part first. The handcuff part, I, I think you we've all kind of settled. It seems like Hassan Haskins is the guy they're kind of aiming at there. And with that ADP of running back, I think, was it, 66? That doesn't feel like too big of a stretch, 232, to grab a guy at the end of the roster. I don't know that you're going to get the exact production back. You didn't get the exact production back with Donta Foreman, but at least it gives you an option. Derrick Henry, I still have him currently set up there in the top 10. I guess we're going to have to to see. It definitely gave me pause what he looked like when he came back because he didn't look like he was the same runner with the same power. Maybe that's because he missed a crucial stretch in the middle of the season and he came back to December and playoff football and needed to work himself back into shape. Maybe it was a sign of decline. He's getting to kind of that age area and he's had a million carries and he seemed pretty Teflon to run through him because he's like such a big hard hitting body. But at some point in time it goes and for running backs, it can go really quickly. So more so than either of the previous two years, I'm wary if I'm taking Derrick Henry. And I'm probably not taking Derrick Henry and then punting running back for 12 rounds and grabbing somebody else. Yeah, Henry, uh, he's going off the board at RB5 right now. And if you're drafting him at RB5, you you know the risk and you're like, I'm not – I'm, you know, Bob Harris likes to say he's injury agnostic. He can't protect – project in injuries and so he drafts players with the expectation they're going to play well if you draft Derrick Henry you're going to have to you know as somebody who's drafted Christian McCaffrey last year um, thinking well he put the injury season behind him uh, you know that didn't work out for me by the way uh, I think you do uh, you know you don't go hero RB with Derrick Henry as your running back he's definitely part of a RB heavy strategy so that if he does get injured, you can't absorb it. And then whether you go deeper into the draft and choose to handcuff him directly with Haskins or, you know, one guy we saw perform in limited duty in Indianapolis that's now on the Titans roster that is a bigger back is Jordan Wilkins. So there's the potential, you know, he could step up. We saw Dontrell Hilliard. He looked good in limited duty as a pass catcher um, and running the ball. So there's definitely some pieces there to, to fill it in. It, but if I'm drafting Derrick Henry at five, I'm probably coming three out three of my first four rounds are running backs. 
Yeah, I maybe I'm just being a little bit too optimistic as a guy who's who's kind of been out on Derrick Henry the past couple of years, and he's proved me wrong the past two. If you go back to that same draft class, which was him and Zeke, Zeke obviously taken in the first round. Derrick Henry was the second pick, I think, of the second round, if I'm remembering correctly. He's 249 carries behind Zeke. Like, and I think a lot of that is, you know, we all know is probably why a lot of people at the time thought Derrick Henry might be a bust. He was not getting carries at all those first couple of years in Tennessee because they just were giving it to multiple other backs. He also wasn't a guy who had a ton of carries in college either because of the same thing. Now, he did have a ton. I don't remember the exact stats, but if you go look up his high school career, it's absolutely ridiculous what that man did. But I, I do think that he's got a little bit of time. As Matt was mentioning, this is kind of like that age apex where you start to see running backs coming on the way down. I think Henry may have a year or two left because in 249, I mean, that is what he's been at, almost what he's been averaging the past couple of years. So he's almost a year behind what like a Zeke Elliott is. But what worries me is he's had the multiple foot injuries. That does worry me a little bit. I still think he's going to be a top, as Matt mentioned, at least a top 10 back this year. But I also think Derrick Henry's at a point in his career where I don't think you're going to be able to ever move him for what he's worth. So at this point, if you roster him in Dynasty Leagues, you're probably just holding on to him until he's done. Like, I just I don't think you're going to be able to get what, what you feel at least is the value for Henry. When it comes to handcuffing, I'm probably taking Hassan Haskins because I think he's going later than most of the others, but really I don't want any of them. I think I'd rather just pivot and take a Donta Foreman later who is with, with Carolina because I think he's got a shot of not only being the backup to CMC, but actual work. Cause I just don't trust any of these guys behind him right now. Like I don't trust you know, Wilkins has never done it. I'm sorry. He's ne- I love Jordan Wilkins too coming out. He's not done anything for me. You know, Julius Chestnut, Dontrell Hilliard. I mean, Desmond. Yeah. He had some, Really good games for the Cleveland Browns, but I don't know that he's a guy that can hold up as the lead back there. I think it would be very much a committee if Derrick Henry were to get hurt. How do we feel about their over-under this year? They're sitting at nine wins. Again, they finished with 12 last year. Dennis, the Titans, you know, again, AFC's top seed, which is still insane to me to say that they were the top seed in 2021. Do you have them with the over under? And if you have them with the over, do you have them making the playoffs? So it's another situation where this is a really good number because you have, you know, it's like Mortal Kombat. It's choose your fighter. Am I going to choose that regardless of what happens, I believe Mike Vrabel is going to pull at least 10 wins out of this team. And if Derrick Henry stays healthy, it's going to be a fairly easy 10 wins. Or am I going to choose that it's Vrabel as a lame duck coach with an inexperienced receiving core and an injury prone running back? And if he coaches them to eight wins, it'll be considered a great coaching job just because of where this team is. I, I'm going to choose that he pulls 10 wins out of them. I'm going to take the over. Well, as Dennis said, it is a great number. Um, I guess I didn't realize until you were reading off his record. He's never had a losing record. He hasn't, yeah. And actually, I'm pretty sure he's been in the playoffs every single year as well. Like, he's – it's it's inc- it's insane but to say that. He but. may have be on his last year, but it's not like he's really sweating getting a deal done. He's like, I'm going to get a deal. He goes – he. I think he's sitting there going, look, from what I've done here, if you guys don't sign me, trust me, somebody's going to. Oh, yeah, I have no doubt if he doesn't stay in Tennessee that he'll get a job somewhere. But, again, we saw 
Mike Malarkey had multiple really good seasons with Tennessee, and then they just let him go after getting to the division round. Like it's not like he had bad teams. He built that team back up. They were like three and twelve for two years before he built him back up to a playoff team, and then they fire him and bring Mike Vrabel in. So you're right. he may have he may have job security because of what he's done because he's continually won, and we have seen that that's very rare in the NFL. I just wouldn't be surprised with the decisions Tennessee's made in the past to just be like, "Now nah, you're gone. We're bringing somebody else in." And he's looking for a new job. So he's never had a losing season until now. I'm going under. I think they win eight games. It was dramatic for Matt. It was. I was trying to. It was like, oh, my God. I want to take the under because of the same stuff I said last year. I just don't think this is a good team. But that division is so god-awful. Well, but so the AFC as a whole has gotten a lot better. And – Again, I don't think Tennessee is a terrible team, but I don't think they got better, and that's what I find a little bit concerning. I was trying to pull up their schedule really quick because, like, I really realistically think they've got like four wins on the schedule with Houston and Jacksonville. Like, I think they could easily win. I mean, they I'm get not the Giants they sweep all their division. They I don't think had trouble, cold, but. They get the Giants, the Commanders. Just te- oh, we already just mentioned the Texans. I mean, that's- watch Carson Wentz come in. Oh and just man, you them. you might be right. So obviously they've got their division games, which is <clears throat> I think that they could easily sweep the Jags and the Texans, Colts. Even if you say they split it, right? Then here are their other teams that they play. The Giants could be a fairly easy win. The Raiders, that's an interesting one. I don't I don't know which way it would go. Loss. Commanders, Commanders, I think could be. I think that's an easy win for them. The Commanders. But that's it. Cowboys, Chargers, Eagles, Bengals, Packers, Broncos, Chiefs. Raiders, they'll win one of those games Bills. you don't expect, but they'll Under. also lose one of those. Games Under. I am with Matt now. I was. I was not going to do this. I am with you. Like all. Welcome of those to the teams, dark side. Not, I don't think they're beating any of those good teams: the Packers, Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, Bills. I mean, that's five losses, in my opinion, right there. I'm still not convinced that if they don't start to struggle that they take a look at Malik Willis. I do. It would be so bad. I think it would be very dumb. On I'm not I, saying I'm not it getting, would be successful. I'm just, I'm just sitting in, in a house in Texas. I'm no NFL coach. I would not let Malik Willis touch the field. Just my opinion. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. We've got a ton of Major League Baseball games going on right now. Golf, MMA, and more with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Everything and anything you need to get money. DraftKingsSportsbook.com is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet and get up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Download the DraftKingsSportsbookapp.com, and again, use promo code TPPN at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. 
five. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP or 7867 in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York or visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and up or 18 and up in Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Speaking of a team that does not have a quarterback controversy on their hands, the Indianapolis Colts, who finished 9-8 and eight last year, second in the AFC South, just missing out on the playoffs. Their key departures, Carson Wentz goes to the Washington Commanders, Zach Pascal to the Eagles, T.Y. Hilton still a free agent, Jack Doyle retires, and Marlon Mack moves on to the Texans. They trade for Matt Ryan from the Atlanta Falcons. They bring in Nick Foles to back him up. They get the GOAT, Philip Lindsay, and they bring in Stephon Gilmore at cornerback, drafting Alec Pierce, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati, and the tight end phenom Jelani Woods in the draft. Matt, Matt Ryan comes from Indianapolis, which is great news for Michael Pittman, right? It is indeed. I think the rest of their receiving core, I think NFL Network put it the best this morning. They bet a lot um, that their rookie is going to come through and that Paris Campbell is going to stay healthy. But Michael Pittman, you know, we talked about it before. Matt Ryan has produced a wide receiver one in pretty much all of his seasons. Pittman uh, is a guy that I think is really poised to step up and to be a big beneficiary there. He's going as wide receiver 16. I think he finishes in the top 10. So I like that value and that ADP too. I think Matt Ryan's going to be a good fit. Now we've, we've seen a couple of years worth of veteran quarterbacks come in and it hasn't worked out quite as swimmingly as we hoped, but I think Matt Ryan's still got enough left and is enough of a quality passer, probably a better passer than he gets credit for sometimes with Atlanta, um, that he's going to make the most out of there. And they have a super running game uh, behind him, which is a a big benefit. They've worked on their offensive line. Hopefully it's still in good shape. They still have some great pieces. They still have a couple of questions. Um, I know they're betting that was Bernard Raymond that they drafted, that he can be a starting tackle for them. So hopefully that works out for all of us that have a deep love for Jonathan Taylor. But I'm I'm excited for Michael Pittman this season. I don't know if I feel great about anybody else in the passing game at their ADPs, and that includes like the tight ends. I know you said superstar Jelani Woods. I can't tell if you're being funny about that. I was being facetious. I'm not being facetious, yes. I'm not – I'm not buying the Mo Alley Cox train. Um, it's going to take a lot. And I still think there's a possibility they keep being rumored to be looking at Julio Jones. He feels like the kind of guy that signs at Labor Day so he doesn't have to go to camp. Um, and I think if he comes in, he instantly starts for them. I know learning a system, what a, Julio Jones ends up slotting across Michael Pittman. 
Yeah, I, I won't be surprised one bit if Julio lands there. Um, in, in part because, you know, Alec Pierce, he, he's a good wide receiver, I think, but he's going to need some time to develop, and his, his game is fairly limited. So Michael Pittman, I agree. Stud, check that box. Good value. Um, tight ends between Cox and Granson. I don't know that Woods sees a whole lot of the field. Um, but I do think they have the ability to piece together a very effective slot receiver crew. They've got Paris Campbell, who, you know, as much as I love Paris Campbell because of what he did at Ohio State, the dude just can't stay healthy. Maybe this is the year, but, you know, I don't know that I'm willing to put a shekel on whether or not he makes it through the year unscathed. But they've got Ashton sure. Doolin. They've got Ashton Doolin out of uh, Malone University, the final football class of uh, the venerable Malone University football team, who is a really good special teamer. But last the last couple of years, he started to come on and make plays in the receiving game. And he's listed as Paris Campbell's direct backup. And then their third third string slot guy, We've seen him produce big numbers on volume, and that's Kiki Kuti. So between those three guys, I feel like they're going to be able to piece together an effective slot-wide receiver. It's going to be a Frankenstein slot-wide receiver, basically. And if Julio comes in and can start for, you know, six or eight games while Alec Pierce gets his feet under him, then it may be, you know, they may be Frankenstein in the wide receiver too as well across from Michael Pittman. Uh, and then they've got Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot to be said about that. I don't think any of the wide receivers outside of Pittman are necessarily viable starters until they, you know, prove it. But at, at deep, deep stashes, last roster position, you know, maybe they're worth a shot. Yeah, I am all in on Pittman as well. Even when Julio Jones was injured, Matt Ryan was able to buoy up a top 12 wide receiver in fantasy. I do think with uh, the, the rumors of Julio, I'll say I'll save that for a minute. I, I think Julio's done. Uh, this may be a hot take. I actually think Alec Pierce at this point in their careers is better than well, Julio Jones. I, I think talent-wise, yes, I agree. Yeah. I, I if, if Julio Jones is on that team, I would not be surprised if Alec Pierce outproduces him. I think Alec Pierce is actually a very good wide receiver. You know, look at what he was able to do with Desmond Ritter, who, you know, I, not the same team. Sorry, I was thinking of Matt Ryan with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Desmond Ritter, not necessarily the most efficient passer uh, in college football. And Alec Pierce can be a deep threat. He, he's he got speed as well. Very good size. What was he? Six, uh Six three two thirteen. Like he's, I think, a very good wide receiver. Comes in at twenty two years old. He's a little bit on the older side. I would not be surprised if he's in for a decent season. Like he's going off the board right now. Wide receiver sixty six. I think he could be a wide receiver three because we know defenses know Michael Pittman's the guy. Agree with you guys. There's no tight end. I was being facetious on Jelani Woods just because he had like I think a perfect RAS rating or whatever. No other tight ends ever done that. Doesn't make him good at football. He's not. So I do think Pittman is all in. I'm in on Alec Pierce. Look, I, I love Paris Campbell as well. And I don't remember how the famous – I want to say the famous – thing, not famous, but it's like a, a video thing about this Italian chef who, who's like, if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bike. Like, if, if Paris Campbell could stay healthy, yeah. 
he can't. Like it's we're past that. I love Paris Campbell. Had a great one game last year. Got hurt. I'm I'm willing to take a shot on him at his ADP, which is sitting at a hundred. If I'm yeah, ninety one. Okay, fine. I'll take a bet, but he's going to be the first guy off my roster if someone's performing is on the waiver wire because I just don't think it's there. With this offensive line, Matt Ryan's got the best offensive line he's had in the past couple years. Michael Pittman, one of the better wide receivers he's had the past couple years because I think he's much better than Calvin Ridley. Julio's obviously been gone or injured. I think they're going to build this around Pittman in that running game. So I don't know that anybody has massive upside outside of that. If they bring Julio in, again, I will stay. I not, I know you guys aren't saying this. If you're in my dynasty league and you want to take Julio Jones, have at it. I will take Alec Pierce at value, and I think he's going to outproduce him. Like I, maybe I'm just too all in on Alec Pierce, but he's a guy that I really like. I think a lot of people shit on him because of what he did at Cincinnati. You're right; he didn't have to play the best teams. But if you look at that Alabama game, you go watch that all 22, and Dynasty Nerds film room might have it. You go watch that playoff game. He's getting open against some of the best cornerbacks in the nation against Alabama. Desmond Ritter just can't get him the ball. That speaks volumes to me because he's not going to face some of those guys in the NFL level because those guys are going up against Michael Pittman. So I, I am all in on Alec Pierce. So Matt, I think the Colts' me, long-term strategy was just to get dynasty players to draft one of their wide receivers every year for three years. It's working. Uh, so to be wide receiver 36, then Pitt, uh, Pierce has to go uh, last year's wide receiver 36, went 50 catches on 89 targets for 802 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, that's not a ton for uh, a good yeah. passing team. With with And what I think he can with do. With no other receivers. As so, a threat, because I don't think Pittman's a deep threat either. Like, I think that's what Pierce brings. Pierce has got more speed than Pittman. And I do think because of his size as well, he could be a decent red zone threat. So I, if you even take away some of those, I think he'll be more efficient catching the ball. You said 83 targets, 50 catches. 89. That, 89, 53. That's horrible. So Who was that? 56% catch rate. That was, was Van it? Jefferson. Well, Van Jefferson sucks. So I think Alec Pierce can be better than Van Jefferson. Yeah. I think he improves that catch. Some. These, Maybe he these brings threats some typically in. have a, a mid, low to mid 50% catch rate. I, mean, nah, I think he'll be better. Deep balls just have a lower catch percentage. Meat hooks for hands. Alec Pierce, he's got big hands. I, I do. I think he could easily outproduce that. I mean, you know it, what maybe, they say about guys with big hands? Big gloves. Yes, That's I do. Right. Uh, I do think that he maybe maybe not as many yards, although I could see that because he is a deep threat. But if you drop him a, a little bit on the yards and boost up a couple touchdowns, like I think he can be right there. And again, I agree with Matt. Like this is going to be a good offense. And and I don't know how good this defense is going to be this year. Not that it's going to be bad. I still think it's going to be probably right around average, maybe a little bit better. But teams are going to try and stop Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. And Matt Ryan's going to have to find other ways. We've seen he's not afraid. He will not just force the ball all the time. He will spread the ball around. I think Alec Pierce is going to be – I think he's going to be good this year. I, re I really am all in on him. Matt, I, I want to say Dennis brought this up recently that we have not seen running backs repeat as RB1 in the – I can't remember the exact stat, but it's LT been a while. might have been the last one. Okay, so oh, Look, that is old. that is a it's going to be a big year first for the AFC South. Mike Vrabel's first losing season. Jonathan Taylor first running back to repeat as number one. Oh, in you, gotta, you gotta let me get the question. Couple out. decades. Erase everybody if you're listening. Erase <laughs> the last 15 second soundbite from Matt. Jonathan Taylor was RB one last year. Matt, can he repeat it 
And if so, how do you feel about Naheem Hines' role? I do think he will repeat it. Um, I still have him at running back one. Um, I think his biggest challenge is sometimes Frank Reich forgets he's on the team. That one's for you. Um, I I don't mind Hines. <laughs> I don't mind Hines at RB forty four. Uh, we talked about a little bit of the uncertainty at who is um, catching the balls beyond. Well, not for you. You think it's Alec Pierce. I hope Alec Pierce does well. I have plenty of dynasty shares. I'm not opposed to that. I'm just not as certain as you. I'm certain Paris Campbell will be good for the one quarter he manages to play this season. Uh, But we've seen Hines be a pretty effective um, receiver, uh, and I think that there's something to be had there, especially since we're not completely sold on the tight ends. And at running back 44, I think there's room for value to see him go into running back three or even maybe low end running back two, depending on how things uh, shake out. And I don't think that really impacts Jonathan Taylor. They do different things. They're different people. Again, the biggest challenge to Jonathan Taylor, hopefully that line is solid. Hopefully Frank Reich remembers he's on the team. Other than that, good to go. I, I want to believe that Taylor can, but I think to, to believe that, you've got to believe he's going to be able to be in that 20 touchdown range again. And do we think that that's, that's going to happen? Um, you know, he outscored Austin Eckler in PPR by 30 points and Najee Harris by 73 points. Um I'm going into the season ranked, ranking Taylor as my one, uh, but I have Najee Harris as my two. Harris had 90 targets last year, caught, I think, 74 passes uh, and carried the ball 307 times. I think Harris only had, uh, I think it was, where where did it go? Harris only had uh, 25 fewer carries than Jonathan Taylor and had about 40 more targets. It, it was definitely uh, the touchdowns that swayed Taylor. Um, and he, had, he did have 600 more yards rushing as well. So that was, that was a big part of it. Um, Those touchdowns swayed me as well. Yeah. You know, do I think he can? Yes. Man, it's a tough thing to bet against. I mean, are we looking at a, a Ladanian Thomas Tomlinson type of run here? Are we are we ready to push the chips into the middle of the table and 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 say? I mean, the one thing Tomlinson had, I think that um, that Taylor doesn't is Tomlinson had quarterback security. He didn't. He wasn't. He didn't have a new quarterback every year he played, and. You know, the, I think the head coach was there for quite a while as well. So, will he? I, I if I had if I had to, you know, you know, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna go fifty one forty nine. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier for me. I think it's like a ninety five percent yes outside of injury, and and I do think Naheem Hines is gonna have a bigger role. I mean, as much as me and Frank Reich really don't agree on how to use running backs, he's even come out and said, if you're in a fantasy draft, draft Naheem Hines. I do think that they have an idea of how they want to use him. We've seen Matt Ryan is not afraid to check down, going even back to the Devonta Freeman days, right? And granted, I think 
Taylor could get some more catches as well, but I think they really want to use Naheem Hines in that role. As Dennis mentioned, he outscored Eckler by practically 30 points. Eckler has already talked about he doesn't want that much work in the running game. He's taking a step back there. The Steelers are saying they're going to bring Najee's role back a little bit. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's the only person that challenges for this. If you go in order of last year, it was Joe Mixon, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Zeke Elliott, Kamara, Patterson, Gibson were the next to finish out the top 10. I don't see any of those guys challenging Taylor. I and mean, I think Harris is the next closest to do anything out again, outside of injury. If either one of those guys gets injured, then all bets are off. But with what we expect Taylor's usage to be, I just don't see anybody else who can really challenge for that except for Harris. And Harris, because of the receptions that he gets, that we just don't get to see Taylor get. If I knew Taylor was going to get the receptions, it would be it would be 100% yes. But I do think they want to continue to use Naheem Hines there. Hines, I think, is the perfect like best ball running back that I'd be willing to grab because he's going to have those games, whether it's the receiving or he breaks off. We saw it even last year. I want to say it was in one of the fantasy playoff games. Naheem Hines had a couple big runs that he broke off for touchdowns that you're just sitting there like, why couldn't you just give that to Jonathan Taylor? I know there was one game in specific that Taylor only got like 11 points. I mean, heaven heaven forbid he only got you 11 points. It may have even been more than that, but because Naheem Hines had a couple big runs. At RB44 in best ball, I'd be willing to take a shot on him and start your lineup leagues. I would have to have like almost punted running back to grab Naheem Hines and expect him to produce because I still think it's going to be the Jonathan Taylor show and I expect them to be more pass heavy as again while I'm all in on Alec Pierce so I think Naheem Hines is a good player to grab especially in best ball I'd be a little hesitant to grab him in a you know start your lineup league just because of that because I think his his trying to figure out what games he's going to go off is going to be maddening for you. You're going to have my Hayden Hurst year where you're going to start him. He's going to do nothing. Then you're going to be like, I hate you and bench him. And he's going to go off for 20 plus points. But the good news is you're going to have your Hayden Hurst year again this year. It sounds like I will hate Hurst everywhere. If if you're buying into Naheem Hines this year, it's because you believe that they're going to use him in multiple roles that they're going to, that he's going to be, uh, their wide receiver three um, that he he's going to. He's your Franken slot. He no is kidding. the Franken slot because you, because you he only had six more targets than Taylor last year. And they caught the same number of passes. But as far as Hines going off last year, I mean, his bet, he only had two games at 31 or more yards rushing. And he only had five games with four or more receptions. So, and he gave you three touchdowns total on the year. So maybe so, 44 was about right. For him. Yeah. Maybe. I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not buying. I think they've got too many actual wide receivers that can do what Naheem Hines does um, for him to get a substantial bump in targets. I think the only way he gets a big bump in volume is if the, the, uh, Colts start blowing people out, and they rest Taylor. And I just don't see that happening. I still think that they could do that to begin with. We, we've seen Frank Reich has done it. And the fact that he's come out and is talking up Naheem Hines the way that he has been makes me curious as to what they're going to do with Taylor. Now, I don't think it's going to be a you know, 51-49 split. I still think it's going to be probably closer to 70-30, but Frank Reich really just likes to piss people off. And I think he's going to do that this year. I mean, I know that you, you've mentioned they've got well, Ashton Doolin, Paris Campbell, who was the only as a Kiki Kuti, correct? 
Yeah, they they suck. Let's just be honest. I would not be surprised if Naheem Hines overtakes all of them in the receiving game at some point, just with the way that they could move him around. So I, I'm very curious to see what happens with this offense. I'm I'm clearly higher on them. It feels like at least some of these pieces than you guys are, which brings us to their over under sitting at 10 wins last year. Again, they finished with nine and eight and they missed the playoffs. Dennis, what do you think about them this year? And do you think with having added Matt Ryan that they can win the AFC South? I think they can, especially with the trouble that um, Tennessee could be in. And then you've got what Houston and Jacksonville or the rest of the division. I mean, I could see them going nine and eight and winning the division. Their over under is ten. I don't think I don't think I see them going over. I I just that's that seems like I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm I just hate Frank Reich. Maybe that's it. Not the only one, Matt. Tony, this one's for you. I'm going over 11 and six when the AFC South. I mean, I did just take the under on the Titans and I don't think the Jags or Houston are going to be winning this division. So I'm going to say they win the division. They also have a tough schedule though. I mean, Steelers, Chargers, Cowboys, Eagles, Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, Patriots, Raiders, that's chiefs. That's not a really good, group that i mean they've got some winnable games i think it's going to be tough to get over 10 but i'm all in on alec pierce and naheem Hines. so i'm gonna take the slight over i think they get to 11 just because i think they're i think they're gonna sweep their division i think they're gonna win both games against the texans both games against the jaguars and both games against the titans because the titans are just not a good football team honestly we'll get to it on friday too but three of the four over unders for the afc south were pretty spot on because like 10 and 7 11 and 6 not a great difference i wouldn't be surprised i still think they win 10 8 and 9 9 and 8 not a huge difference so both these i was like oh and yeah, I, there's I one they, team on friday that i thought the over under was tough and there was one that was an easy decision i, I feel like they're going to win 10 games and they're going to win the division but they're they're not going to go yeah. over so vegas must know what it's doing when it you know they, yeah, they're not don't. in it to lose money so a lot of these over unders have really uh, made you Stiffen. I think they go four and two in the division. I mean, my daddy always said even a blind no. girl finds them at once. Negative. Negative. Sweeping the division. <laughs> Heard it here first. Yeah, Vegas, they're pretty good at what to do. They built all those tall buildings for a reason, right? You know, they're a blind squirrel, maybe, but the, the Jaguars are a blind, yeah. armless, legless, soulless squirrel. It's kind of a turd with a tail. Anyways, we will be back on Friday. We'll be talking about the, <laughs> the Houston... turd with the tail. Yeah, Texas. practically what you said. We'll be back with the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everybody have yourselves a great day. We will talk to you guys again soon. Right and re- Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Do you got your pop on there? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an 